everyone. Welcome to the Shell Games Podcast for the week of May 8th. This is episode number 60. Shell Games is a lighthearted look at the games of today and the ones still on the shelf. I'm your host, John, and joining me this week are two of my favorite folks. Uh, we've got Mr. Chisulo. Hi. And, of course, we have the very dapper and handsome Ted. <laughs> What's up, John? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to be high energy because we got that new theme song, theme music for the for the show. It's like really yeah. really intense and then we come in and we're just like hey guys welcome to the show how's it going <laughs> it's a lighthearted look at the games of today and look at the games of tomorrow <laughs> okay uh but yeah going back to bed so uh how, how's everyone doing how's uh how's the week been good yeah it's been uh pretty good i've just been applying to jobs around town and it's been fun mm-hmm. went and applied at uh rodney's oyster house oh yeah we were just I gave him that resume did i show you the resume that i no made? no 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 oh man I'll, I'll show it to you after but it's pretty uh over the top you might make fun of me for it. It's an interesting uh, bar slash oyster house because all the dudes are just like jacked out bros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're net. Yeah, I'd definitely be the skinniest guy there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I got personality. Yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. And I asked the guy, I'm like, do you guys hire any women? They're like, no, we just hire men. I'm like, interesting. Right. <laughs> like you can still do that. I, 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 I think <laughs> it's. I think it's their shtick is like the the yeah. servers and the bartenders are all men and the hostesses are women. At least, uh, at yeah. least that's what yeah. our mutual friend was telling me. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, but uh, yeah. There was last time I was there. There was one girl there, and yeah, she was at the host stand. Everyone else was jack dude. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of testosterone. <laughs> Anyways, well, good luck with that. Hopefully, you land that job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what's going on with you? What's new and exciting? Um, not going, I was supposed to go golfing. That didn't go through. <laughs> when I talked to you guys about going golfing last time, I was still probably drunk from the night before. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so when I sobered up, I'm like, this is a terrible idea. This is a waste of my time and energy. Yeah. So I'm sure. not going golfing, still playing baseball. Mm. Shit. I have a game tomorrow. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> still playing baseball. Have to start training for the marathon in six weeks. Yeah, because now my team is serious. Because at first, when we talked about doing the marathon, it was kind of like, yeah, we'll do the marathon. Yeah, yeah, blah blah blah. I'm like, cool, cool. And then this week, they're like, okay, for real, this is what's happening. Here's a schedule. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> it just became <laughs> very real. <laughs> yeah, I've never run a marathon, so oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, things have just been kind of trucking along, um, enjoying my, my few days off before heading back to school. So I'll be starting again on Monday, but thankfully I'm only doing one class. Uh, so my summer should be a little bit more low key. Um, but yeah, just playing games, playing some Dota, uh, had some good matches, some bad matches. It's funny how like week to week, I just kind of like measure how the week went depending on like how I did in, in my Dota matches. You know, I'm just like, yeah, like overall, how yeah, the week yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I learned some things, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting better. Oh, but I had a bad game that night. So that kind of put a damper on things. <laughs> it's a problem, man. It's starting to become just a real living problem in a world, man. Yeah. Living in a world. Uh, you know, who's not having problems is uh, Nintendo, uh, because Nintendo is doing real well uh, with some of the games that they're putting out right now. Uh, so they just re-released uh, Mario Kart 8, which uh, launched on the Wii U, uh, but now it is launching on the Switch. Um, and they're calling it Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And apparently it has become the fastest selling Mario Kart game in the franchise's history um, on the Switch. Oh, So uh, Nintendo says that uh, the first day that uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was available for Switch, it sold 459,000 copies. Um, wow. And that was just in the U.S. 
Um, so that's a lot. That's, a, you know, um, basically saying almost 45% of people that have a Switch bought that game. So that game came out on the Wii U. Um, mm-hmm. And so far has sold 8.31 million copies, but it's had three years to do it. I, I don't know. What, what do you folks think about them re-releasing some of these big games that launched on the Wii U um, and launching them on the Switch now? And what do you sort of think about it's it's uh, how quickly it's sold? I think it's fine for them to be selling them on the Switch because a lot of people didn't get a Wii U, mm-hmm. so they haven't played these games. It's just like when the PlayStation 4 came out, they re-released a lot of PlayStation 3 games because a lot of people have never had a PlayStation. Yeah. So I'm okay with I'm okay with them re-releasing good games from the previous generation that a lot of people haven't played. Yeah, for sure. And I think that was going to be my thought as well. It's just like, well, yeah, of course they're going to do this because <laughs> no one bought a Wii U. You know, Mario Kart 8 yeah. is very, very good. I did. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I know you and me, Ted, you, you and me are like two of the only people in the city that have a Wii U. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so a lot of people haven't experienced these games yet, so it makes total sense to re-release them on a console, especially one that is selling as well as it is in its early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a it's the like same game, right? Like uh, it, it's been updated. Um, they, they've added a few things and tweaked some stuff, so it sounds like the better of the two versions. Um, right. So yeah, it's the deluxe okay. version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with Chisilo. Uh, I mean, it's like a re-release game. You know what you're going to get if you've already played it. Um, so it's not like it's like a weird money grab or anything. They're just re-releasing a game for a new console that they released. Yeah, and, and especially, uh, if they want. you know, th- there are probably a lot of new Switch owners out there that never experienced this game, right? Because they didn't yeah, play I'm, Wii U or have access to it. Yeah, it's just, like you said, it's surprising. Nintendo's been re-releasing their consoles lately. <laughs> yeah. It's just surprising how much that, like, how many copies that game has sold? Like, it's... Mm-hmm. but uh, to, to be fair, there's not really a lot for Switch owners to buy, right? So, you know, you've got your Nintendo, or you've got your Legend of Zelda, you got Snipper Clips, um, yeah, and you know, I, I think Switch owners are hungry for any other first party stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's again, I'm you know, I always say like, hey, it's probably not the right time to buy a Switch, but at this rate, you know, within six months, I think it'll it'll be smart to purchase one. I'm really surprised how many people actually bought the Switch like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like Breath of Breath of the Wild really, uh, really helped it out. Like that's the reason why people got them. But yeah, still like they sold so many consoles. It's mm-hmm. crazy. The potential is just so high. Yeah, so it'll, yeah. it'll be really interesting to see how that console is faring a year from now, um, and and what the future uh, for it looks like, and and what they what they might have planned for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do know that there are plans for uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild as its first DLC pack is going to be hitting um, in the next couple of weeks here. So the first uh, piece of DLC is called The uh, the Master of Trials, and it's the first of two pieces of DLC. Uh, it's going to be coming out um, in this summer. Um, and together, they are going to cost you $20. Uh, that's for their entire expansion pass. So the first bit, uh, you're going to be getting a hard mode for the game. Uh, so it's going to increase the difficulty of a lot of the enemies. Um, another thing that they're adding to the Master of Trials is what they're calling the Hero's Path mode. Um, so this is actually kind of familiar for people who have played other Zelda games. It's sort of like a like a dungeon trial where you start in a du- uh, like a, uh, a dungeon. Or sorry, uh, back in some of the older Zelda games, they call it the Cave of Trials. And you basically mm-hmm. work through rooms of tougher and tougher enemies to try to get to the end. And, and you'll sort of unlock some rewards. Um 
so this piece of DLC isn't really substantial. Uh, I think uh, the one that they're talking about in the fall is going to have like a new dungeon and a whole bunch of other new stuff. Uh, so that's going to be like the big chunk of DLC. Um, but um, I don't know. What, what do you two think about uh, how they're supporting Breath of the Wild? Um, I, again, this is like one of the first Zelda games that has had an expansion pass. They're going to make a lot of money because yeah. the attach rate of the Breath of the Wild to the Switch is greater than one-to-one at this point. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will be happy to spend the extra, what is it, $20? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. The extra $20 to get extra content because they seem to love the game so much. And so, yeah, yeah pretty much, I'm, not, I'm just going to guess, pull a number out of the thin air. I'm going to say uh, 80% of people are going to spend another $20. Mm, 80%. 80% seems high, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised I mean, either. They have 100% attachment. <laughs> 80% is too high. Over 100% attachment, 80% is too high. I thought I was being very generous. <laughs> it's a good forecast, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's like the most popular game on the Switch, and it's been getting insane reviews. I actually haven't played it. I've just seen some gameplay, and it does look like a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I mean, it's making them a lot of money. It makes sense that they're going to be releasing DLC so soon. Yeah. Well, you're in luck, Ted, because uh, I've been teasing this for a while on, on my live stream channel, but I'm actually going to start streaming Breath of the Wild in the coming days here. What? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> One episode um, a week or like more than that? Because I want uh, more. It, it might be like a couple times a week. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how busy I am. Cool. Nice, cool. man. I'll definitely watch that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that because, you know, the game's received nothing but really high praise. So uh, yeah. Wii U, of course, because I'm not going to go out and buy a Switch. Oh. Uh, yeah, Wii U Master Race. <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, not gonna be a hypocrite and tell people not to buy a Switch and go buy one myself. But um, <laughs> I'll bite the bullet. I'm itching to buy one. Yeah, again, really? I, as soon as I get a release date for a game that I like, an indie game I like, yeah. like Thumper is coming out soon. That's true. Which yeah. is a game that is on my wish list on Steam. But I'm like, hmm. why do you like? I'm curious though. Like, why do you want to get a Switch so bad? Because I like my 3DS, and this to me is like best of both worlds mm-hmm. yeah so for me i'm looking at it more as like a really really nice 3ds as opposed to something i'm gonna play on my tv yeah i just want them to work out like all the kinks because there's so many like hardware and software yeah. problems they're having with yes them right yes this is this is all true like that would be brutal if you got it and it just stopped working for whatever reason and we've we've talked about that quite a bit on the show so it, it yeah, would be definitely. nice to see them sort of work out some of those manufacturing bugs and get the hardware yeah. to a point where, you know, it, it's far more dependable. And uh, so I don't know if we're gonna have to wait for like a, a hardware update or a hardware refresh like a year or two from now, or if they'll yeah. kind of iron Ideally, out those I'd problems. Yeah, i get the Switch XL, whatever that, whatever they're gonna call that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Second generation. Um, so let's talk about some stuff that uh, has recently been announced or rather leaked, um, and that is uh, Darksiders 3, which is kind of a strange announcement because um, Darksiders was a franchise that belonged to THQ, and THQ went under quite a few years ago, um, but was bought up by Nordic, who rebranded themselves as THQ Nordic. Uh, so Darksiders 3 was leaked by Amazon, uh, and an Amazon listing popped up uh, with the game, and then uh, IGN uh, revealed... Um, the first official trailer uh, for the game, along with uh, some some images. Now, did either of you ever play any of the Darksiders games? Um, I played some of the first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have not. No. Um, so I played the second one, and I had some mixed thoughts on it. You can actually find a review that I wrote at shelvgames.com. Nice plug. Dark, Dark, Darksiders is a bit of a weird franchise. It kind of, you know, the original was very much like, hey, let's just do a Zelda game. 
um, mm-hmm. with this sort of stylized um, art that is very reminiscent of like early 90s comic books, like sort of Spawn yeah. and, and that sort of thing. When I played Darksiders 2, it felt kind of dated. Um, it felt like there was a lot of old ideas in the game, but there were still some really fun aspects in it as well. Just, you know, the combat was okay and some of the stuff that they were trying to do was, was interesting. So what did you think of that release trailer or that teaser trailer for Darksiders 3? I always, in my mind, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the seven deadly sins are on the same team. (laughs) (laughs) This is very, this is very civil war like. Uh, Ted, what did you, what did you think of that trailer? I mean, it's, yeah, it's just like a cinematic trailer. It's hard to like Mm -hmm. really get any information from it. Uh, it, the design looks really blizzardy to me. Yeah. You know? But I guess it's always been kind of like that, but... Almost like a knockoff blizzard, though, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, I think I was listening... Um, uh, when I watched that, it just felt old. Um, it felt like a game that was kind of stuck in another time. Um, I think I heard someone on one of the shows I listened to, maybe it was bom- the Bombcast or something, they, they described it as like an FMV... Tra- or an FMV video in like a PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> FMV. <laughs> Or, or sorry, not FMB, but like a a trailer, like a a video in a, in a PlayStation Two game or something, you know. Oh, so it just like felt dated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think uh-huh. one of the th- one of my problems with Darksiders Two when I played it is it just it, like it didn't feel great, but it didn't feel terrible. It was just kind of fine. What's the gameplay like? I've never played one. It's sort of like an action RPG. So not maybe not as crazy as something like a Bayonetta, but m- more akin to something like a God of War or something. Hmm. Um, but but it, it's you know it's a fine game, but it's it's probably the most damning thing I could say about it. Like it, it was, it wasn't too memorable, but it wasn't uh, too fantastic yeah. either. You know, even when I when I played it years ago, like the first Darksiders, it it just felt like I'd already played this game so many times before. Mm-hmm. Like it was just you're a guy running through and just like slashing things up, and I mean sometimes you learn like an extra move, but I don't know. I guess like for for me, those games don't really. Uh, interest me too much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh i don't know if this game's gonna be any different i don't think darksiders 2 was i didn't play that one it was it was basically the same thing right you run around and you slash people up and it's just like same thing over and over yeah i've never played one i just don't know if it's the kind of the kind of game i would like or not what kind of games do you like if i can ask um i play let me see let me uh, pull out my steam library here. <laughs> <laughs> let me just pull it up here yeah so right now installed i have the banner saga the Binding of Isaac, Darkest Dungeon, Hitman, Metal Gear Solid Five, Overwatch, Rocket League, The Witcher Three, The Witness, Wolfenstein, and XCOM Two. Okay, so a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's just um, I just don't when I see, when I look at Darksiders, I mean I've barely seen any gameplay of it, but when I look at it, it just for some reason it doesn't excite anything inside me, so I just don't really yeah, care to yeah. play it. Um, yeah, me either. So they're saying that they want to release this in 2018. So we'll see what other things they they, they show us um, before before the game comes out. Um, but I, again, like I don't know. <clears throat> I think Darksiders has this interesting fan base that you know really likes the game or, or the the franchise. But since THQ died, I I thought it was just sort of safe to assume that we wouldn't see another game in that in that franchise. Um, mm-hmm. And to see something. Uh, tease like this that seems just kind of lackluster and it, and it hasn't like really learned any lessons over the the last few years kind of I don't know it, it leaves sort of a I don't want to say a bad taste in my mouth but I, I'm just kind of left with a like a, a general meh feeling 
Well, I yeah. don't feel like I've seen anything. It's just a cinematic trailer because none of that was gameplay. Yeah, great. Yeah, I record. saw at least. I mean, they, they released a few screens as well, but it was just kind of, you haven't shown me enough to get me excited, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, a new policy that Steam has sort of implemented, and that uh, revolves around uh, Steam's uh, gift giving. Mm-hmm. So it used to be before you could purchase games on Steam and keep them in your inventory so that you could give them out to friends or uh, give them out, uh, you know, to, to whomever uh, on Steam. Um, and Valve is instituting some changes. Um, so I'm just going to uh, pull from a post by uh, Nathan Grayson over on uh, Kotaku. Um, so he talks about what the change actually is. And he says, First and foremost, gifting is now more straightforward. Instead of gifting games to a friend's email address or Steam inventory, the exchange is direct. If somebody declines your gift, the game does not wind up in your inventory as it would before. Instead, you get a refund. Also, cross-country gifting, which is gifting between regions, uh, has been simplified. The game either goes straight into a friend's account, or if there's too much of a price disparity between regions, gifting it to them simply isn't an option. Oh, wow. I don't like that. Yeah, I think that what they're trying to do is sort of like simplify gift giving uh, because right now the, the process can be a little complex if you don't know what you're doing. Um, but if it's a gift, why is it like, oh, this gift is worth less over there or worth more over there so you can't have this? Yeah, I think that's... Did one, I understand that? Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that they're trying to get around. So like if someone purchased a gift uh, in one region and it cost them like way more money and let's say here in Canada it was a lot cheaper then they wouldn't be able to give it to me. They would just get a refund. Um, so hmm. th- th- there's a couple aspects to this. One, one of the reasons that they're doing this is to sort of prevent um, key resellers um, from mm-hmm. from utilizing uh, codes and, and games you know, that, like this in the gift system. So that would be stuff like G2A, which is sort of a gray market reseller. So this could really shake up the way that resellers um, operate. And it might even completely affect their ability to just, you know, use Steam at all. Another thing that this prevents is people like stockpiling uh, games and gifts, mm-hmm. which is something that I've done in the past uh, because <clears throat> because of this charity stuff that we do through Extra Life. I always like giving out gifts uh, or giving out games to people who donate, right? Like if someone donates yeah. Yeah, yeah. To, to our charity, I'm just like, oh, hey, here's a, here's a cheap game that I picked up on Steam that, that you can have. But now I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. Well, I, I, okay, so before you could get a game and hold on to it and then gift it at a later date. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get the game, you have to gift it immediately. Is that what I'm Yes. Um, and you have to like mm. pick the person that you're gifting it to, right? So you can't hold on to it. You can't stockpile them anymore. Um, another thing is, you know, uh, users in places like Australia are a little bit salty about this or a little bit grumpy about this because, you know, uh, if they have a friend in Canada or the US who buys a game at whatever it is, $69. And sends it to someone to a friend in Australia, they might not be able to receive it anymore because that same game cost them eighty nine U S dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I don't know. What do you What do you two think about this this change to Valve's policies here? Uh, it seems like you said they're trying to prevent resellers because most of this doesn't seem like it's beneficial to the consumer on a I want to say a surface level. It is beneficial to the consumer that resellers are not cheating them on games. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think it's for my direct benefit in the sense that, oh, you can't exchange games across uh, price disparities. I'm like, who cares? I bought it here. If I buy some Nikes here and I send them to my cousin <laughs> in the UK, who cares? Like, like it's a gift. Yeah. 
So I feel like that has more to do with resellers than it has to do with, oh, we're trying to protect the consumer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, but they just kind of like framed it in that way, just to make it sound a little bit better. Mm. Um, Why do games cost different amounts in different countries? Why isn't it just all Um, one price? So so a lot... (laughs) One of the big problems still in the realm of digital games is the fact that we have we have physical sales and they are still vital to um, the market and the fact that publishers or, or rather the big companies like Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo are dependent on box stores to sell hardware. And because of that, they still have to sell physical software. Uh, and, and also right. the, there's the, the, the aspect of like, a lot of people's internet infrastructure isn't at the point yet where you can download 50 gigabyte games easily. Yeah, so because that could be your whole month's worth yeah, allowance. Yeah. For so there are still a lot of people who have to purchase physical, physical copies of games. Um, mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, there are um, built in costs to physical games. There's manufacturing costs. The transportation is probably the biggest one. Um, and, and, you know, like th- th- there's a whole, I, I'm probably not qualified to talk about this, but there, there's the whole thing about like games taking up space in retail stores and um, trying to get them, you know, good placement in those stores. And um, because of the because of the fact that you have to have those physical copies in those box stores, you have to, or I don't want to say you have to, but very often you have to have price parity with digital games as well. Um, right, and that is probably where that built-in cost comes from. So. If a game costs a lot more to manufacture and get it to Australia, you're going to be paying more for it digitally as well. Um, that makes sense. And on top of that, if that country has levies or taxes for products coming from other countries, that sort of thing. Like I think we talked about this on the show a while ago. We, we were a little bit concerned – or the industry was concerned about the fact that physical games in North America might become more expensive if the United States' sort of isolationist policies um, came to the forefront because – uh, stuff or a lot of physical games in North America are manufactured in Mexico. So if Trump and his government's sort of anti-Mexican rhetoric takes off and that affects uh, the economics in North America or rather the eco- economies of our countries, that can make physical games here more expensive and that will directly affect digital games as well. Uh, and another wow. side, I'm sorry, I'm going on a weird, weird tangent, but another side of that is also <laughs> uh, currency, right? Games here in Canada, the three of us know are far more expensive or not far more expensive, but they are more expensive than, than games in the United States. Like we are, yep. we are playing upwards of $80 Canadian uh, for a $60 US release, right? If, if not more. Yeah, yeah. And our dollar keeps dropping. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. It's all this soft wood lumber. What is it? Soft wood lumber? Soft wood tariffs. Soft wood. It is soft wood something. It's the softest of wood. <laughs> um, so if I guess if physical copies still exist, that's still that's what is going to be a major driving force in price yeah, for digital games as well. Like it's yeah. This, yeah. Huh. That's an age coming to a close, I think. But again, my point is, who cares? It's a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I mean, people have been saying that for a while, though. Like, I, I still think we're we're going to have physical media for quite some time. Um, but granted, infrastructure is getting better. People's People are streaming more things, and it's people are buying less and less physical media. So, um, you know, I haven't bought a physical game in quite some time, but uh, I know there are still a lot of people out there that have to. Last physical game I bought was uh, Smash Bros. for my 3DS. Yeah. So, so, so we'll see what this new policy that uh, Valve is implementing with Steam, um, like how it plays out. 
I'm a little bit grumpy about it because, like I said, I'm not going to be able to stockpile Steam games to give away uh, when we're doing charity stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to have to come up with something else. Uh, I might. Otherwise, that'd be so expensive to like. Yo, for sure. Gift right away. Yeah. Because, because, like, I mean, it, it's not a secret, but like, I would wait for sales, and I would just buy a whole bunch of stuff super cheap, um, and and then use that for for giveaways and stuff. So now I think I might have to rely more on things like humble bundles, um, and that sort of thing. Mm. Right. Okay. Let's move into uh, some other news. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Bethesda and uh, an indie game that is unfortunately. Um, caught the ire of Bethesda and their lawyers. Uh, so this is a game that goes by the name Pray for the Gods, and it was sort of uh, helmed as this homage to Shadow of the Colossus. Um, so if I'm not mistaken, this was a game that was crowdfunded, uh, yeah, through Kickstarter. Uh, so this is a game that was developed by No Matter Studios. And so it's Pray for the Gods, as in like a prey, prey like Predator and Prey. And um, unfortunately... Um, Bethesda basically told them that they can't use the word prey in their title um, as they just launched a game this last week called Prey. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have changed their name to P-R-A-E-Y uh, for the gods uh, because uh, Bethesda chose to oppose their trademark. Um, so a quote from the developer here, they say, we could have uh, fought this and we did think about it for quite a while. Something like a trademark opposition can be long and depending on how far someone wants to fight it can be very expensive. We didn't want to spend our precious Kickstarter funds, nor did we want to have to ask for additional funds to fight this in court. So stupid. <laughs> uh, so so they said, while we disagree with their opposition, we were able to come to an agreement. Uh, again, them sort of stylizing the, the, the P-R or P-R-A-E-Y instead of P-R-E-Y. Um, this is kind of similar. I don't think that's an AE. I think that's like a different symbol altogether. Well, they're not. They're not going to use that that AE combined symbol either because they they realized it would be a little bit difficult to search for with people's yeah. keyboards. Um, mm-hmm. So this is kind of similar to um, uh, Moyang, who tried to publish a game called Scrolls, and Bethesda came after them for that as well because of the Elder Scrolls series. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you think about Bethesda being so aggressive? Uh, protecting their trademark, which is something we've talked a little bit about on the show before and like why companies do that uh, to sort of protect yeah. protect their intellectual property. But when it comes to a word like prey or, sc- yeah. or scrolls, what, what do you folks think about mm-hmm. that? Uh, I just think that's so ridiculous to have like ownership over a certain word that's in a title. And even then, like pray for the gods and pray, there's uh, there's definitely a discrepancy. Like you, there's, there's two different games there, yeah. you can tell. Yeah. And just like a big studio just flexing – on an indie developer i don't know i mean maybe it's because i always root for the underdog but it just seems like such a such a such a stupid thing to to get up in arms about because it really makes no difference it just causes a kerfuffle right yeah so what do you think i think i get where bethesda is coming from you just want to avoid all sorts of associations associations with uh your brand to someone else's. You just want to distance it as much as possible because you want yours to rise to the top. You don't want people to be typing and pray into Google and then it auto-fills to for the gods. Right. You just want to avoid that shit. Yeah. I, I've, mm, again, like I understand why companies do this. They do this to, to protect their intellectual property and, you know, often it's not... The, for the record, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. But I understand. Often it's not like the developers who are like, oh, screw these other guys trying to make their game. We're going to make sure, you know, they have problems doing this. It's, it's usually... 
um, lawyers. It's, it's usually people on the business side of things who get a memo on their desk saying, hey, there's another game that's using this word in its title. You have to go after them or not necessarily you have to go yeah. after them, but you have to send this letter to them saying that you'll pursue legal action um, again, just as a protective measure, because if you don't, it'll set a precedent that anyone can do it. Um, and on the plus I, side, just what I was going to say. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Rob. I feel like I've been doing that a lot today. Sorry. sorry. No, um, good, on man. the plus side, I never heard of this game until Bethesda tried to sue them. So now <laughs> I feel like they're going to sell way yeah, more yeah. than they would have before. Yeah. Um, no press is bad press. And I don't really feel like it affects their game that much to have it AE instead of E. Yeah. And, and they even said that they were kind of considering that name at first. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, again, it's kind of sucks that you have this larger corporation that's kind of like, you know, putting their heel on the on the neck of uh, of a smaller company, um, but again, I, I, like I understand the business side of things. I understand why Nintendo shuts down all those fan projects because if they don't do it, um, it sets a it sets a precedent that anyone can do it. Um, at the same time, though, like a, a word like "pray," it's just like, come on, man that that's that's such a a commonly used word that that I find it difficult to. I always get grumpy when I see trademarks for silly things like that. Like who? Oh, it was Gene Simmons who wanted to trademark the the term OJ. Like oh, like if you referred to orange juice as OJ, he held that patent or he wanted to. Seriously? Yeah, it was so stupid, man. <laughs> like so, oh, that, that kind of shit like drives me up the wall. So, like it, it, I understand, I understand someone like Nintendo going after someone for using the, the the name Zelda. You know that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um. But using like common words, I I find a little bit more troublesome. Yeah. Like when was it? Uh, what's the name of that company? King was it? Tried to uh, copyright trademark, I should say, the word saga. Right. Yes. Candy Crush. Really? Yes, they tried yeah. to copyright saga. Wow. And again, uh, the, I don't know. you know the example of Mojang trying to uh, put out a game called Scrolls. It's like I mean, it's, it's scrolls. <laughs> like everyone uses that word. It's hard to. I don't know. It is. I don't know. It's, yeah. I, I, you I don't know, know. The thing is, the way with there's just so much, uh, what do you call? There's so many games out there nowadays. And on the App Store, App Stores on phones, when, when one game comes out and it, it's successful, you just see like a hundred clones immediately. Yeah. And it's so oh, hard yeah. to stamp that kind of shit out. Yeah, for sure. So I see why people are companies, I should say. Companies are not people. <laughs> I see why companies are trying to just keep yeah. that to a minimum but there's definitely like you know there's there's trademark infringement like there's there's stealing intellectual property and then there's a common word that you share in the same yeah. title i don't know there's a i think there's a difference there and that's where it because just there's so much media and trademark law is just it seems so gray area mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's not like a definitive thing saying okay you can't use this word or whatever yeah and so i think a lot of like a lot of lawsuits get brought up over things that people didn't even realize it's like oh shit yeah. okay well now bethesda's threatening to sue me and and we haven't oh, even, even talked about the the whole messy thing uh revolving around patent trolls like people who just accumulate patents mm. yeah to yeah. go after anyone and everyone to to try and make a quick buck um and and that's gotten to the point where you see large companies just gobbling up patents to protect themselves more than anything else um so, so it's a huge issue um but again, I don't think we're gonna solve the world's problems just the three of us here on this on this, <laughs> Maybe uh, on this show. <laughs> Maybe though. Um, but let's talk about uh, something that is becoming more and more common in games, 
uh, and that is loot boxes and uh, cosmetic items. Ted, you've been playing a lot of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Yeah, and I've been doing so well lately. I saw that video <laughs> you posted. You won. Uh, you won a uh, one back of your matches. Back. Yeah, I won a I won a solo, and then I won a squad. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, you got thanks. you got the uh, chicken dinner. <laughs> I did. Got all that chicken. Um, so Battlegrounds is obviously doing well. We talked uh, the other week about how it's sold over two million copies already, um, and it's doing very very well for itself. Um, so uh, Brendan Green, who is player unknown. He is the player unknown of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Um, did an interview with Gama Sutra and said that Battlegrounds will eventually get loot crates um, that you'll be able to use keys on to open cosmetic upgrades and that sort of thing, uh, sort of like CS:GO. Um, and he's quoted here as saying, "We're not doing monetization during early access. It'll be afterwards. So we'll have keys to open crates to make it simple, but we'll also try to have rarity. So uh, by opening a crate, you get you can get a skin that's worth ten pounds or twenty dollars." Um, he's, he also mentioned that he's against gambling. Um, so he doesn't want to have some sort of third, uh, third party economy or, or rather an economy spring up around it, uh, that revolves around gambling skins and that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. so what do we think about a, a game like this that is still in early access? Yes, it is very successful, but they're already talking about monetizing it with loot boxes. Yeah. I think it's really good that they're, uh, kind of withholding that. Um, cause like you said, it's still in, in alpha and even though like I enjoy the game, but there are still a lot of issues with it. Yeah. Um, it would feel kind of cheap or I'd feel kind of cheated if, uh, they all of a sudden just started monetizing like crazy and started making skins and all these different things. And then I still can't jump over a two foot fence cause my character is getting stuck on like a little polygon. Right. Like it's just, that would really frustrate me. Um, so it's good that they had the foresight to kind of see like, okay, maybe, we should focus on finishing the game first as, you know, any developer should. And then think about, you know, like as any business would, okay, now how can we start monetizing this polished finished game that we have? I think it's a good idea to wait. I mean, you sold 2 million copies, which is, there's no way they expected to sell that many. There's no way. I mean, maybe, I guess he worked on, was it Rust or H1Z1? And he worked on H1Z1 and he worked on uh, a Battle Royale mod for Armor 2 way back in the day. So he's... Player unknown, or rather, uh, Brendan Green has been in that that space for quite some time. Yeah, so maybe he did know he could, uh, but even then, uh, I just think it's not a good idea to start charging people extra stuff for incomplete games. Just don't. Yeah, do that for yet. sure. Don't not yet. Just don't do that at all. <laughs> yeah, people would be very upset. I think if they had done that, mm. they'd be like, "This game's still broken. What the fuck?" I was thinking of that game. What's that game called? Uh, where with all the spaceships, it's been. They've been oh, working on it for like Eve? 10 Star years. Citizen? Star Citizen. Oh, Star Citizen. Yeah. yeah, that game hasn't even like, come out yet, and people are dropping like yeah. thousands of dollars on it. Thousands of dollars. That's like, crazy. Doing? This game isn't even out. How could you have spent this much on a game that is still in alpha? <laughs> That's actually a really people, good man. comparison. Uh, but again, that, that game was a little bit different in that it was crowdfunded, right? So you had all these tiers of backer rewards and things like that. And I can understand not giving your backers rewards in the interim. You know, they're, they're playing mm -hmm. early copies and early alphas of this game in different sections. And I can understand if you ha if you didn't give them perks for their different, you know, tiers of backing, you could run into some issues. But again, yeah, I, think, I think that speaks to one of the problems of uh, kickstarting games as for like for the developer is like, okay, we have to focus on making this thing. But shit, we also have to focus on making all of our backers happy while they're waiting for this game to come out. 
And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the issues that Star Citizen has run into. And the fact that they got so much money that the the project has sort of ballooned um as they've as they've gone along. Um mm-hmm. so I think right. I think Battlegrounds is in a good position where they're like, hey, we're developing this. Um, you know, he's uh paired up with um Oh shoot! What's that company's name called? Blue, I believe. Korean company, I think. Yeah, Blue Hole. Blue Hole. Blue Hole Studios in uh, Korea, and so you know, so he's Green has the backing of that company, so he he doesn't have to worry about making anyone happy, except uh, for the the studio, the publisher, and you know, just sort of making sure that people that are playing the game now in early access are reporting bugs and they're working on them and trying to make a polished product. And then they can try to try and monetize after. Um, and so yeah. try to make a polished product. Polished, sorry. <laughs> uh, try to make the product polished, as polish polished as they can. Just uh, lots of. <laughs> I mean, lots it's all the same. So I yeah, lots of no vodka problem. and pierogies. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Does he have a publisher? I would expect for someone like him who's been on other successful projects to just go out on his, on his own. No, so so he has teamed up with Blue Hole Studios, so they're helping him get the get the game out. Oh, that's a publisher. Yeah. yeah. My mistake. I thought they were some kind of like partner. Uh, I think it's kind of both. Um, okay, so let's talk about a little bit more about loot uh, boxes. And I think we might have mentioned this on the show a while back, but China has instituted laws saying that games with loot boxes and other sort of, you know, chests and things like that, that have some sort of element of chance in what you can get from them have to disclose the rate at which they will drop certain things. Um so the first games that have disclosed those uh, drop rates in China uh, are the two big MOBAs, League of Legends and Dota 2. Um, Overwatch this week also disclosed their drop drop rates in China. A couple things here. Um, so the, uh, the Chinese Ministry of Culture um, notes here that the online games industry has been developing rapidly over the past few years, uh, but that the regulations put into place have not been clear. And this has led to a number of online games operators not following the rules that were put in place or protect a user's rights. Um, so so I think it's obviously good for consumers to know, hey, if I'm spending money on this on this loot box, on this on this chest, on this treasure, what are my chances of actually getting something? Um, so they've released those and the numbers look fine, you know, in terms of like, you know, when you'll get things that are rare or extremely rare. Um, but it's also important to note that these numbers do not apply to North America or Europe. These are strict, strictly <laughs> drop. So it could be different. In so they, North they th- like we don't know, we don't know. But mm. but these drop rates, sp- we know, speci- we know. specifically uh, apply to China. Um, we okay. don't know, but we know. So so, <laughs> so again, that's me wearing my tinfoil hat. But uh, what what do you folks think about uh, the Chinese government's um, policy with regard to loot boxes in digital games? Um, and do you think that we should see more stuff like that in North America, Europe, and other parts of, of Asia and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I don't. I, I guess from like a consumer point of view, I'd like to know my my odds with some like with gambling. Yeah. And then I'd know like you know I'll put in some money. There's a two percent chance that I'll get this drop. Hey, at least I know what I like what I was putting in here. Um, I mean, I know when I, when I get a loot box, say in Counter-Strike, I haven't done that for a while, but like if I open a box, I know it's pretty rare that I'm going to get a rare drop, but it'd be interesting. If anything, it'd just be interesting to know like, oh, okay, there's, this is the percentage of chance that I have. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, it's more, uh, trying to think of the word. It's just, it's, it's clear. Like you can see, you can see what you're getting into with numbers, which makes sense. So. 
I do have a question. Yeah. When they say you, they want to know uh, games have to say what the drop rates are. Is that in game, or they just have to like put that on a website? They, they or just have to have that information available to the public. So it's it might not necessarily be in game. That, that's a good point that you bring up. It might not necessarily have to be in game, but that information mm-hmm. has to be readily available. So it might be on their website, buried somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do think the Chinese government is ahead of the curve on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it's interesting how like like um, ahead of the game they are when it comes to you know uh, ensuring that their esports athletes are actually uh, considered athletes in the country, so so they receive the same perks and benefits um, of of athletes. You know, it seems like they're definitely a step ahead, um, and you know, just you know, protecting their their citizens uh, in terms mm-hmm. of. Uh, or not protecting citizens, but like ensuring that consumers know, um, are or rather are not being taken advantage of in in digital games and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. I don't believe that the I don't believe that the rates in North America are better because they're not disclosing them. <laughs> if they're different, then they're worse. Yeah, uh, I just don't have to. I don't know. I, I don't think know. it might. I think disclosing the rates might even increase the value of some of the drops too. Because it's like if you get a really rare item, say it has like a 0.5% chance of dropping, mm-hmm. you know that you would potentially have to buy, you know, 200 crates just to get that item. So it can like, it puts more of like a tangible value on things. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, could, I think enough. that probably will like raise the price of some things. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just theorizing. Yeah. Theorizing here. As a Dota player, would you like to know the rates? I think that would be valuable um, for the community, definitely. But I'm not really one to speak because I I I'm not really concerned about drop rates. Like Dota implemented a change in their treasure uh, or in their loot loot boxes or whatever you want to call them. Um, in Dota, they're called treasures. But like you have a chance of getting you know in, in any treasure like five skins, and they recently implemented a change where you cannot get the same one twice until you've gotten all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I buy five treasures, I'll get all five of those skins. And then if I buy any more, then I'll start getting duplicates. Um, so the, they do have usually a rare and a very rare extra treasure associated. So like that'll be seven in total. So those are obviously very, very difficult to to get. Um, and so, yeah, it might be nice to know what those drop rates are. But if I buy five treasures and I don't get the rare and ultra rare ones, I'm not going to be really upset about it. But don't mm-hmm. take my word for it. I just spent eighty dollars on fucking Dota cosmetics yesterday, so it makes you feel better. Oh god! Uh, I mean, the compendium for for the international twenty seventeen just came out, so I, I had to. I had to, guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> you didn't have a choice. I didn't really. have a choice. They twisted my arm. Um, yeah. I, I honestly feel like I'm missing out on Overwatch, even though I have it, and I'm missing out on Dota, even though I kind of have it. I mean, it's free. Everyone has Dota. Like I'll I'll I'll, I'll gift Dota for to all of you. Just open your Steam library; it's there already. I, I did that. I did that for you. That was, I did that. Ted, do you play Dota? Uh, I tried to at once at John's house. Yeah, and we, I we was not a huge. We did it for our uh, extra life uh, live stream. We uh, we had yeah. we yeah. had Ted, who's a big Counter Strike person, play Dota, and then me, who's a big Dota person, play Counter Strike for the first time. I think he and I were both equally frustrated. I think you did better per <laughs> capita. <laughs> I did get a new mouse because um, the scroll the scroll wheel on my mouse, my other mouse was terrible. Mm. And I didn't notice for the longest time. 
And then when I did notice, I got a new mouse and things are better. So now I'm thinking maybe I hated Dota because my scroll wheel was broken. Maybe. Um, maybe. Do you use scroll wheel a lot in Dota? Because no. I remember hating the camera. No, I don't think so. Like, you, you, you just need to increase your... Uh, what's the word? Field of view. No, not field of view. You increase the rate at which your mouse moves on the, on the screen. Um, mm-hmm, you, yeah. you just do that in game. And so that way you can really snap around the map really quickly. Dota is just a game I need to study. I just can't. Yeah. Oh man. I don't think I would enjoy it if I didn't have I was, to like. I was studying it before I played on his stream because I was just like, "Okay, I'm playing in front of in front of like 30 people. I need to know like sort of what I'm doing." <laughs> so I was studying for like an hour and a half, just reading the yeah. rules. I'm like, "Yeah, Are you fucking serious right now." <laughs> this is so intense. It's so intense. I just want to go in and shoot people in the head, yeah. right? I do that. <laughs> Lanes and ganking. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting. I mentioned that the international twenty or the international seven is happening this summer, um, and they released the battle pass for it. So that's a crowdfunded prize pool. You know, last year it got to over twenty million dollars. So they just put this pass out, and Valve always puts up like one point five or one point six million, and yeah. the community crowdfunds the rest. We're already at five point seven million, and the thing's been out for like two days. Um. And only 25% of each battle pass goes to the prize pool. So it's absurd. Um, so I've, I've put in my, my uh, couple of bucks. It's Again, you say these numbers and I'm like, I'm missing out on this thing. I don't know what I'm missing out on. I'm missing something. I want Some in. FOMO I want happening. in. So uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of esports and stuff that you might be a little bit more familiar about, uh, let's talk about the NBA. Uh, so yes. the NBA has signed a deal with NBA 2K. 2K uh, to sort of form yeah. this new esports league, um, and 17 NBA teams have signed up to participate in this this inaugural NBA 2K league. Um, so they're going to be lending their virtual logos and jerseys to appear in this esports league. Um, so that's going to include the the Celtics, the Cavaliers, the Mavericks, Pistons, Golden State, uh, Pacers, Grizzlies, Heat, Bucks, uh, New York Knicks. Uh, Orlando Magic, uh, 76ers, uh, Trailblazers, Kings, Raptors, Jazz, and the Wizards. Um, so basically that means each uh, team in the league is going to draft five players. Uh, so these are five people that are already involved in the 2K sort of uh, competitive scene. Um, they're going to have a regular season, which is going to mirror the NBA season, uh, bracketed playoffs, final championship match, Um Players will, however, create their own avatars, so they're not going to be using actual NBA stars um, in this mm-hmm. league. Um, so this is interesting because this is the first pro sports league that is co-owned by um, a professional tr- or traditional sports league along with an esports organization in the U.S. Um, FIFA is doing something um, like that in Europe already with EA. Um, so, so Jasula, what do you think about this uh, involving the NBA and, and 2K? Uh, the NBA has a new commissioner, um, Adam Silver, and he's just making all the right moves yeah. lately. I mean, not even lately. Since he's been commissioner maybe for three, four years at this point, which is still pretty young because the previous commissioner, David Stern, he was commissioner for like my whole life, it felt like, and even before that. And so um, he makes a lot of good moves. He does a lot of great community outreach. He allows like clips of NBA games to be on the on YouTube because the NFL does not. Yeah. They do not play that. They do not. They are so copyright strike all over your ass. Yeah. But the NBA has done a great thing with outreach. And so I'm not surprised that they are doing this. Um, 
some teams, notice, noticeable teams missing from uh, allowing to have their logos used are the Lakers, which I kind of get because they're the most valuable franchise right. in the NBA. No, wait, the Knicks are. The Lakers are second. Okay. But either way, it doesn't Whatever. matter. Whatever, I'll take your word as gospel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's cool. It's cool to see. I'm also not surprised that they're going to have to use their avatars because players in the NBA, a lot of players in the NBA actually do play 2K. Mm-hmm. And they do talk to the people who make 2K and they're like, why is fucking why is fucking Kemba Walker shooting better than Steph Curry? That shit don't make no sense. <laughs> like, so, like, they're, they're really involved. And I did hear a podcast. What, what podcast was that? I was listening to a podcast where they had one of the 2K, the guys who makes 2K, and he was talking about this uh, same thing. Was it Spawn on Me? It might have been. Sound, that sounds right. I, I know those guys are, are usually pretty tight with the, the folks that do 2K. Yeah. So I'm happy to see this, mm-hmm. and I think it's a great idea. And the NBA, again, David, uh, not David Stern, Adam Silver, the new commissioner, he's just winning so many points with me. Yeah, and, and again, mm-hmm. this I think this also speaks to the growing popularity of esports, um, not just worldwide, but also in North America specifically. Um, and if uh, the NBA is kind of looking at that and being like, well, this thing is going to get big anyway, so we might as well throw some official support alongside it yeah yeah it's smart it's smart because the nba is growing massively internationally and this will just help with that even more uh it's also playoffs so (laughs) i've been watching like two games every day nice 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 uh but yeah so it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh with that league um yeah i don't expect them to play a full season because i'm not trying to watch 82 games (laughs) that's just way too many (laughs) Yeah, um, but yeah, so so we'll just uh, kind of wait and see, and we'll uh, and I'll be interested to see if other traditional sports leagues latch on to this idea. Like I I don't know if like the NHL would ever consider doing something like this, or they uh, should they or really the NFL should. and Madden, you know. Um, yeah, if I mean if this is successful, it would make sense that they would catch on as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, it just it just makes sense. It makes dollars and sense, my friend. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so speaking of esports, let's talk a little bit about uh, Dota 2 because it's my show and I do whatever the hell I want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the Kiev major, uh, the Kiev major was going on last weekend. Um, well, while we were recording uh, last week, uh, so unfortunately, this or fortunately or unfortunately, this hadn't happened just yet. But when the major closed out, uh, the production team that was handling everything, uh, PGL. They've been really applauded um, in the Dota community over the last couple of years because their productions have always been very, very good and have continued to get better. Um, There was one major that was not done by them, and it was just an absolute disaster. Um, So they've been kind of the go-to for all the major Valve events since then. Um, And and they're always doing really, really cool things. Like at the last international um, that I went to last summer, they did like this AR thing where you could actually see the hero avatars on stage and like when the commentators were casting uh, uh, you would see you know these ar representations of the players and their stats it it was really really cool Um, but pgl is all behind that um but unfortunately they made this very weird decision when they ended the the tournament to close it out with this i'll just say it, it was a creepy montage of all the women that were in attendance at the at the event uh, they called it Girls of Kiev Major, and it was really weird, and it was really cringy, and it got a, a, a terrible, or not a terrible, but it, there was quite the backlash from the community afterwards, being like, yo, what the fuck? Why would you end this great tournament with this, basically like this perv montage 
Um, <laughs> and it, you know, you can kind of understand like, oh, they're trying to highlight, hey, you know, women who are often marginalized in gaming communities. Hey, there's lots of women here and they're all taking part and they're all having fun. But the way they shot it, it often seemed like the women didn't realize they were being filmed. And it was kind of cut together in a way that like wasn't showcasing their uh, involvement in the scene. It was just like, hey, they're here and they're hot. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. it was really, really creepy. Um, and, you know, again, there was a lot of backlash, a lot of prominent people in the community saying like, hey, this is wrong. Um, the Deso ladies are a, a community of women in the Dota scene who kind of talked about this and were just like, hey, this was really the wrong way to do this. And yes, it's important to highlight women in the scene and to, and to promote the growth of the sport uh, amongst all people, regardless whether they be men or women or how, whoever they identify. Um, so this was just a very, very bad look. Um, so did either of you have a chance to look at this? And, and what do you think about this as people who aren't involved with Dota? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I checked it out. It's just such a, like, even I'm not even in the context of what happened at the, at the international and, and all that stuff. But like the video itself is just objectively very strange. Yeah. Like it's like this weird, like coyote, ugly music, and like, <laughs> just girl gamers cheering. And like, there was like five different shots of the same girl. Yeah. yeah like, I was, the ones I, the nose so it's not even like a wide spectrum. <laughs> I, exactly I was counting. I was just like, how many times are you going to show the same cute girl? Um, yeah. Yeah. With the horns, but I know exactly I, what you're talking about. I, I think the yeah, they were trying to send a message, like you said, women are marginalized in the gaming community, and it's, it just came off really, really weird. Yeah, they just did and it I the think wrong they, way. They realize that now. Yeah, and, but they also they also didn't reply about it. Like they didn't comment on it for a while, and in, like the video stayed up for probably longer than it should have. Eventually, they took it down, and they put out a statement saying like, "Hey, this doesn't represent our values, and you know we're we're going to try and do better." But it also their 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 statement felt kind of toothless. I kind of wish they had owned up to it a little bit more. Um, they they did say that they would kind of implement a system to make like a an over oversight system so that they wouldn't put something out like put something out like that in in a rush. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, this has intern written all over it. <laughs> it does. I was about to say. I was just about to say that. <laughs> like, give it to. Fucking Timmy make a video. <laughs> and he made a bad one. Yeah. And I didn't double check. And again, this yeah. is this is kind of in stark contrast. Um the, the article that I was looking at on Polygon uh by um uh by Victoria Rose uh kind of also talked about like a lot of the really great video production stuff that they do. Like they do these fantastic player profiles where they kind of go back to a player's hometown, they talk to their family, they talk about their story and like the challenges that they've overcome to get to the professional scene. And they did they did this tr- terrific one with with a player who goes by Black and and how like his father died when he was really young and then he was diagnosed with this disease and he had to get like a bone marrow transplant and it was like I remember watching that and I was in tears at the end of it. So to see them do like really heartwarming stuff like that for the community and then just be like Hey, check out these girls. <laughs> like what? It, it was just a, 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 it was almost like a polar opposite of what they were trying to do. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I, in their defense, 
this is, looks like a kind of video I would make if I had gone, except it'd be like, look at all these black people I found at the major. <laughs> I would film all the black people and then I'd post it. Like, I counted 17. Because <laughs> honestly, oh that is something God. I do. It is something I do. I definitely, when I go to a place, I'm always like, oh, one, two, three, seven of us. Oh, wow. <laughs> seven black people here. Yeah. When I went to Festival, I only counted like four. <laughs> so that's Festival the, uh, a French ice <laughs> festival in it, it's a celebration of like French Canadians in Winnipeg yeah 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 um <laughs> but but again like it's it's within gaming you know the the gaming communities can be very insular um they can be very male dominated at times and um they can also be very unapproachable and kind of mm-hmm you know, they, they kind of isolate themselves being like, no, this is our thing and we're not going to let anyone else in on into it. So when you have people that are perhaps marginalized or perhaps not as visible in, in within a community feel like they can't be a part of the community because, you know, because of shit like this, um, I, I think it's really, really problematic. And that's going to segue really nicely into our next topic. Uh, so I was actually hoping we would have some other uh, more, more uh, hosts on the show just so that we didn't have three straight cisgendered dudes talking about this <laughs> um but uh we'll do our best to try and um handle this uh with the uh what's the word i'm looking for utmost respect yeah we'll, we'll try and, yeah we'll try and handle this with with as much respect as as we can um for for three dudes that that you know <laughs> like i said are straight and don't cis. have these problems um, yeah so yeah a uh, a group of uh, transgender women uh, were uh, barred from taking part in a women only Counter Strike Go tournament um, in Germany. Sly uh, Regilio, uh, who uh, is a gamer who lives in Sicily, uh, was talking to BuzzFeed News about this. Um, so they've recently uh, gone through their transition. You know, and, and tr- transitioning is obviously a very tough thing to do, um, and they found a lot of sol- solace in in, in gaming. Um, so they had basically put together this 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 team of uh, transgender girls, and um, they all started playing Counter Strike uh, Go, and they were really into it. And they saw that that a tournament was coming up at the Munich, uh, or sorry, a tournament was coming up in Germany that was fell under the ESL umbrella, so the Electronic Sports League. Uh, it wasn't an official ESL event; it was actually being put on by the Munich Finest Gaming Company. Um. So it was a five-on-five women's open summer tournament, um, and they were denied uh, access. Um, And the the player in question, Regilio, believes it was because of the the photos they had to send in. Um, Mm -hmm. And she basically said, like, hey, you know, some of us are only recently um, transitioning um, and undergoing hormone therapy. So... uh, you know, they feel that uh, because of that, they were reject- rejected based on, on their photographs that they supplied to the tournament. Um, and uh, the Munich Finest Gaming Company uh, was basically like their their reasoning was the fact that they needed official government ID with uh, someone's gender on it to allow women into this tournament. Um, and again, for, for people that are trans, that can be really problematic, especially if you're only recently going through your transition. Um, you know, you, you might not have, have changed your ID or might not have been able to change your ID, um, you know, in, in the, in the interim. Um, so, uh, so both of you had a chance to, to, to read through this. What did you yeah. think of this 
and how does this affect sort of ESL and esports in general um, and sort of welcoming other people into these gaming communities? Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a pretty touchy subject, but uh, yeah, I was looking at the uh, ESL guidelines of like even, even just like team admittance and uh, they don't have anything related to gender. Like it's just not in yeah. their rule books. Um, well, so, I don't sorry, think they the, really... I'll just quickly jump in. Like the one thing that uh, they bring up as, as, as a defense, and, and I can understand why they have this policy, but they say for like mm-hmm. women's tournaments, they, they require, you know, like government ID to determine gender uh, because they have a lot of problems with trolls and people that are trying to, like men who are trying to get into these tournaments just to be dicks about it, you know? Um, wow. so, so I can understand why they need to be more careful about, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They need to more, be more careful, um, going through applications, uh, mm-hmm. for women's tournaments just to make sure that no one is trying to get in there who shouldn't be there. Yeah. Right. Right. But again, that becomes really sticky and really problematic when you have a team of trans women who might not necessarily have the appropriate documents who also want to compete with, uh, with women. Yeah. I mean, uh, fuck. It's like when I when I think of like like uh you know like physical traditional sports men have a physiological advantage like we are biologically stronger and I think with with that that's when that comes into effect where you know it's harder for trans like if if yeah it's it, it makes it more sense if people wanted to like if a if a girl one or if a guy wanted to put on a wig and say I'm a girl and then compete in women events he would absolutely like he would do really well. Um in esports though, there isn't really as much advantage or disadvantage. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's pretty level field. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm trying to discern like what what the advantage would be other than, you know, women aren't as as involved in the gaming community, like competitive gaming community yeah. as, as men are. And, and a lot of these women's only tournaments, um, we've, again, we've spoken about this on the show before. I think I was chatting with Megan about this. A lot of these women's only tournaments are there to um, sort of cultivate talent um, among women yeah. and to get them into the competitive scene, to get them feeling uh, more confident in their skills and to develop those those sort of professional ties and to get them competing at a competitor a more professional and competitive level um and you know some people say like oh well they should just play with the guys well again oftentimes those those uh, tournaments are very toxic or or sort of you know yeah. not welcoming to women so it's important to have these these women's only tournaments to to get them involved get the, get them cultivating their skills and eventually we can get to a point where everyone is competing together right um so is is it important to um you know to have everyone playing together yes but also it's it, it can be important to give women a safe space where they can explore that and eventually um move into sort of uh the general professional scene i guess if that makes sense yeah yeah i'm thinking like if they like if they had to if they weren't allowed to 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 enter a female tournament if they went to a like a an all male tournament and they did really well, I feel like that would also send a good message mm-hmm. for what they're trying to represent. Like it'd be like, yeah, like yeah. we we identify as women and we're kicking ass. Like <laughs> that could they could have that going for yeah. them as well. And, and again, but, I like I I can understand uh what these women you know, they wanted to be involved in a women's only tournament because they're already marginalized, right? Like like people going through a transition are are gonna be subject to harassment and abuse. 
unlike which any all three of us cannot um, you know relate to. So I can understand why they would want to go to a tournament where they might feel a little bit safer, a little bit more in- included. Um, yeah. And to have this tournament say like, no, you're not a- welcome here is a huge slap in the face. Mm-hmm. How would they like discern that though? Like how do you, like without an actual official documentation or or whatever to say like okay this you identify as female you have like been this way your entire life like this is who you are like how else do you discern that like a like an interview or something or um like, i don't know so again like this is this is kind of tricky like on on the on the half of the people that are putting on the tournament and and the the, the people that want to be involved with these tournaments um i don't know just uh, what do you think i think it's unfortunate for the people who have been rejected from this tournament but I'm glad that this is, this is being brought to light because conversations about this sort of thing are really important. Mm-hmm. The The ideas around gender are much broader now than they were when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't even know anything about uh, anything outside of boys and girls. I'm like, boys, girls, the end. What else <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So things are changing. I mean, things have been changing, moving in a much more positive direction, which is nice. Um, people just have to learn. It's just a learning experience for everyone. And just getting more aware of other people's situations. I'm, I'm wondering, like Ted was saying, how do they determine this? Did they have, oh, you have to provide identification proving you're female before? Or when they saw these pictures, they're like, oh, shit, we should have put that in the, what do you call, application? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so they, they provided a, a few like screenshots of emails and, and stuff that were back and forth between the team and from ESL and from the uh, Munich Finest Gaming Company. Um so but I'm, they, I'm wondering if they asked for ID from anyone else, even if they looked female, um, or if they just asked these people. I, I think it was probably like a, a few steps in the process. So um, again, Regilio, the, the player in question, said that they sent pictures, and based on that, they feel that they were rejected. And then when they were asked to provide, you know, uh, government ID, like passport photo or passports, like copies of their passports, then it's just like, well, you know, a lot of our passports might still or some of our passports might still say mail on them um Mm -hmm. so uh again this is really sticky uh another aspect of this is that um the esl is one of the uh companies that was involved in the establishment of the any key organization which is an organization that promotes diversity in esports um and I was reading a statement that any key put out after this this um, this story broke, um, and they I'll, I'll just read a little bit uh, of what they say here. Any key is supportive of women only tournaments that help build up and foster competitive women in the scene right now. Uh, while we continue to tackle cultural and structural issues around barriers to participation, from harassment to a lack of role models showing what is possible, women only tournaments are an important measure to keep talented players in the game. But it's critical to recognize that these tournaments should be for all women, cis and trans, regardless of what it says on your passport or ID or what judgments people may want to make about who they think you are. At any key, we believe in a policy of you are who you say you are. This means that anyone who self-identifies and lives as a woman should be able to participate in any women-only tournaments. Um, so again, that's from AnyKey, uh, which is an organization that's, that's about um, supporting diverse participation, participation in gaming. So I don't know. Going back to your point, Jasulo, I think it's important that we have these conversations and that like mm-hmm. when stuff like this happens, we stop and talk about it. Like again, I, f- I feel really bad for this team of women who were yeah. um, um, subjected to this. Um, so so what do you folks think about this? Like going forward, like do you think more tournaments should take this into account? Uh, like what's going to happen? 
I think they just need to have an actual set of ground rules on how to go about doing that. Because like you said, like the, the organizers didn't know, they, they don't know how to really approach this and they're getting a lot of flack for it. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of trolls that, you know, kind of, kind of use that to their advantage and they just falsely identified as, as a different gender just to get in. Yeah. Um, having like, a, like you say who you are and you can, you can enter the tournament. I think that's awesome. And I think I don't have the perspective. I don't know what the frustration is like to be rejected from a tournament because I, you know, it's like identify as something, but they don't believe me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, just as I said, there's the, it's a new thing and they're having a conversation about it. And I think it's going to be taken into, into account more seriously now. Mm-hmm. I hope they work this out. I, they should make some leeway. They probably will make leeway because at this point, Bad, it's bad publicity for the tournament, which is unfortunate for the the other women who are already in, mm-hmm. and that that this is the story following around the tournament currently. Yeah. So it's not. I don't think. I don't want to say no one's at fault here, but I just I just don't think that anyone, from what I've read, is trying to be malicious mm-hmm. at this point. I think they're just trying to figure out how to have a good tournament, how to include women. I because th- they went. I think. I think they started this out saying, "Hey, we want to create a space." For women to also compete. Right, for sure. And I understand that they're trying to avoid trolls. These people aren't trolls, but they happen to get caught in the troll net that they set. So Yeah, yeah. They need a better, uh, what do you call, filtration system for this. Yeah, yeah. Def- <laughs> yeah. Or not necessarily filtration, but like definitely. Filtration is wrong. I don't like uh, yeah. that word. <laughs> uh, but, but definitely like a better process for screening. Screening applicants. Thank you. And yeah. for making sure that the people who are underrepresented in esports are able to have a safe space where they can have a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I don't know. When I, when I hear uh, creating these safe spaces for women to play games, I feel like that kind of does that. It does their cause a disservice. Like a they're Because they're just like, oh, well, they get to, you know, play games in their group and because, you know, they're not better than the rest of us. So they get, they get their safe space. Like, I feel like everyone should have, everyone should get involved and everyone should have like male or female, just have this big tournament and just like normalize it a bit. Like everyone can play games and everyone can be good at games. And again, this is coming from perspective where I don't have these kinds of problems. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's hard to really take me seriously sometimes, but I don't know when I hear safe space, I just feel like you're not really solving any problems. Well, like you're just safe, safe space might be the wrong descriptor. Um, I I wish I could remember what show number it was, but but again, I had Megan on the show maybe sometime last year, and and she's been involved in a number of uh, women's tournaments, and and she kind of talked about how important they were because yeah. when women compete with men, there is often this sort of uh, again I can't speak to it. I can only speak to the things that I've been told by women and the things that I've read about women competing, but there is this like specter hanging over them, right? Where they can't open up, they can't feel comfortable. And, you know, they might be judged on their performance just because they're a woman. Um, and she, again, I'm, I'm sort of uh, paraphrasing things that she told me. Uh, again, I wish I could remember what episode of the podcast it was. You might have to go back into the archives, folks, and, and try and find that talk that I had with Megan. But she talked about how just being able to play with women, the focus was on the game. The focus mm-hmm. was no longer on them, no longer on, on, their, right. on their gender and no longer on their abilities. It was on the game. It was on the competition. So again, to, to the point that, we're, that, that we kind of brought up here, 
yes, it would be great if everyone can just compete together at the same level. And uh, unfortunately, there are cultural and social dynamics that are kind of, I don't want to say preventing that, but make it tricky. So being able to mm-hmm. have these these spaces where where women and again, other marginalized folks can compete and feel comfortable and get to a point where we can integrate everyone together into larger tournaments would be fantastic. But, yeah. but I don't think we're quite there yet. Yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. So that was a huge can of worms and I, th- I think we, we <sighs> tackled it okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but again, folks, three cisgendered males. Yeah. Again, folks, yeah. uh, if, if you have any thoughts on this, we would love to hear about you, uh, to, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, so send us emails, uh, tweet at us, uh, leave us messages on Facebook. Uh, so shelvegames at gmail.com, uh, hit us up on Twitter at shelvegames. Uh, again, we would love to hear other people's thoughts on this, on this subject, on this topic, uh, because again, our perspectives are our own and we cannot speak to the experience of experiences of others. Uh, so we would love to hear your thoughts and comments and questions. Um, and perhaps we can have some other folks on the show at some point to talk about this as well. Okay. Let's move into the next part of the show. And that is off the shelf where we talk about some of the games that we are playing, uh, or, or perhaps maybe some old favorites. Um, I don't, I don't know. What do you folks want to talk about today? Honestly, I've just been playing battlegrounds lately, man. That's been my, my wheelhouse lately. Yeah. And I've been doing well. I've been doing. I've been. I'm getting better. Yeah. So you mentioned that you had a you had like a a solo win, and then you had a team win. Yeah, yeah. And it it was so, it felt so good <laughs> as a buddy of mine that I play with all the time. Uh, he always gave us flack because every time we did win, like a squad or duo or anything, he was always a part of the team. He's like, guys, you need me. Like you can't win without me. Yeah. And finally, I won a solo. And then the game right after, I played with two of my friends, and we won that as well. And I was just like. Bam. <laughs> you ain't got shit. <laughs> so that felt pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, that's the game I've been playing. So what was, like, what was your strategy? Like, how'd you do it? I find that playing bleh, playing the edge of the circle, um, I don't know if this makes sense to you guys, but it's like a mm-hmm. circle that you have to stay within and then the circle gets smaller and you have to get to that circle and you, just, you have to stay within it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people play within the middle and they kind of like get a vantage point there. But I find when you do that, you have people coming in from all sides. Right. Um, if you play the edge and even like run late into the circle, you have people that are sitting there, like not thinking anyone's going to come from behind and you can just shoot them. And so I find like just playing the very edge, you know, that's the, that's the key. Okay. Okay. So for any battlegroundsers out there. So some pro strats for your uh, battle royale fun. <laughs> from your boy Ted. <laughs> uh, just have you had time to play anything? No, it's playoffs. So like I've been playing, <laughs> I've been watching, uh, two NBA games a night and, the second game always starts at nine thirty, which is so annoying. Yeah, yeah. And then I go to bed and go to work. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been playing Dota. Like I said, um, I, I won't bore you with that. Um, I, I think I mentioned. I might. I may have mentioned on the show. I I want to calibrate my my like ranked matchmaking rank at some point this summer to find out like 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 to find out where I fall in the overall pool of players. Because um, yeah. right now I don't know how good or bad I am. I can guesstimate but i don't have like a solid figure that points to my skill in dota um so i'm thinking about playing a lot more practicing maybe even getting some some 
folks to critique and coach me over the summer so to get to oh, a point. Right. Yeah, to get to a point. You're going to pay someone to teach you how to I, take I was over. thinking about it. I was thinking, I was thinking about hiring <laughs> a coach. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, I remember you saying that. We'll see. We'll see. I'm like, I'm, think, I'm sitting here being like, I should get a personal trainer. And Joe's like, I should get a Dota personal trainer. <laughs> I don't care. Oh my I don't God. care about my body. I care about my <laughs> my, my digital skills. Um, my Dota body. My Dota Honestly, body. I think I would play more games if 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 that was more common, and I think it should be more common having personal video game trainers. <laughs> I I totally pick up Overwatch and Dota in like yeah. a weekend and be like, okay, now I have this scheduled thing that I have to go and learn, and I think I, I would do all right. I think that's something that I kind of want to like look into and research at some point. I'm sure there's someone out there writing like a great feature or a great article about like this this growing economy of professional coaches for esports mm-hmm. and video games. Uh, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of sites that are popping up, like uh, promoting uh, this this type of service, and you know you can pay like whatever it is, ten, twenty, thirty dollars an hour for, depending on how good your coach is and what their reputation is, uh, for your game of choice. So I'd, I'd be interested mm-hmm. to see how that economy kind of grows and changes over the next couple of years. That's so cool. Um, but I actually just finished uh, Dark Souls three and its DLC. Wow. Um, so I, I finished my playthrough of Dark Souls 3 like six months ago or something, and I didn't have, have a chance to get to the DLC until the last couple of weeks. It was good. It was it was good. It was it was a nice <laughs> way to end Dark Souls 3. Uh, the, the first one, Ashes of Ariandel, was kind of short. Uh, the second one, The Ringed City, was was more substantial. And altogether, they were a pretty, pretty solid Dark Souls package. But I found that I'm just, I'm so soulsed out at this point. Like I've played so much Dark Souls over the last three years, and if you throw Bloodborne in on top of that as well, I'm just like, fuck! I've played a lot of these games. <laughs> um, I, I've mentioned this on the live stream a couple of times, but like I first started when Dark Souls Two was coming out, so I played through that, and I was like, oh, this is why people love this series. Went back and played Dark Souls, and I actually played through it twice. And then by that time, Bloodborne was coming out, so I played through Bloodborne, and then I played through it again. Um, I tried Demon Souls, but I couldn't get into it. There's a lot of like janky, broken stuff with that, and it didn't age well. So I'm like, no, 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 I can't play Demon Souls. Um, but then Dark Souls Three was already out, and I'm like, okay, shit. Well, now I have to play Dark Souls Three, and I'm just, I'm so tired of those games. Like they're fantastic. <laughs> I love them. I love them, and I hate them. There, there are great things and bad things about all of those games. That they're all unique in their own little way. And I really fell in love with the, with that series that From Software gave us. And I think like it was almost more informative to me than like games I played when I was a kid. Like I, I almost want to say that like Souls has been more informative in my like experience as like uh, uh, someone who enjoys games than like Mario, you mm-hmm. know? <sighs> I'm just so tired. <laughs> you know, I'm just so tired of Dark Souls now. <laughs> I, I could I could even tell when I was playing through the DLC, like before I would get stuck at a boss and be like, ah um, oh, shit, I need to like... Uh, I need to just like grind away and I'll, and I'll overcome this boss by myself and I'll figure it out. But it, it got to a point when I was playing through the DLC where I'm just like, yeah, I understand what you're doing here. I'm just going to summon someone in co-op and get through this, you know? Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, yeah. I, I, I don't have the time or the patience to sit through grinding my way through the Souls game and sort of figuring it all out. I, I just wanted to see it. I just wanted to see everything that they had on offer. And it was cool. It was really cool. Um but I could find myself becoming really impatient with like the the loop of Dark Souls. And I'm just like, man, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to sit here all day and try and get through this boss by myself. I'm just going to do some co-op. Let's get through this nice and quick and move on with my day. Yeah. That's funny. 
But yeah, so finally done Dark Souls, and I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break. Take a breath. I'm going to take a breath of the wild is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Which has been informed by Dark Souls, unfortunately, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how, what's your favorite Dark Souls? Bloodborne. Mm, Hands down. Hands down. I think Bloodborne is probably the tightest and the most solid package that From Software has put out in the last few years. Dark Souls 3 came out after Bloodborne. Yes, no? yes. Interesting. It Interesting. also helps that Bloodborne is unique in its own way. It's this Gothen Victorian horror type game, uh, so it's mm-hmm. you know outside of that that realm of dark fantasy, uh, which I think helps because it is unique. But also just like mechanically and just like everything else, it's it's super tight. I think its systems are great. The story it tells is really weird and creepy. And Bloodborne for me is definitely the best. Hearing you play these games, like I can't believe you played some of these games multiple times. Like I played Dark Souls twice, played <laughs> Bloodborne twice. I'm like, what? The f- I can't even finish one of these. <laughs> You're going in for seconds. Yeah, Ted. What about you? You you've uh, had quite a bit of experience with the Souls games. What do you think about them? Um, I've only played the first Dark Souls and Bloodborne, mm. and I played Bloodborne. I get the, yeah four times now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, again, FOMO. Yeah. I have so much FOMO. I need to be playing this. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, I started, yeah, I did new game or I played a game and then I did new game and then I started a new character and then I got to new game with that as well. Nice. So four. But why? Playthroughs. I'm, I, I'm just curious. My like, life is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even asking why, like, it doesn't make sense to me because they're games I enjoy, but I'm, I'm curious what about Bloodborne has you guys playing it more than once i don't know i just like the first time i i did like a, a strength build and yeah. i like, made sure everything was like strength oriented and then the second time i made sure everything was like dexterity and like and uh with arcane and i used like arcane items so it was just like kind of a different style of playthrough yeah but really i don't have an excuse that's kind of cool I don't know. There's there's just something about the loop of those games and like experiencing the boss fights and going through them and and finding all mm-hmm. of the secrets and all the nooks and crannies and everything that's hidden in the games. Like you can go through an entire playthrough and not know that Dark, uh, Bloodborne has this like magic system, and you're like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 no, it's just guns and like weapons and stuff. It's like no, 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 no. There's like some weird arcane like Cthulhu magic shit going on in that game that people have no fucking clue about. Um, and and that's, that. That, that's really, really cool. Um, and again, it's something you, you might not experience. So like finding all that stuff and discovering all that stuff is, is really, really fun. And I think that's part of the appeal. I wish I had a gaming laptop that I could travel with back when I was working for Transport Canada. Because that's when I bought an Xbox and I'd take it to hotels and half the time I could plug my Xbox into the TV and half the time they'd be too old or they had actual locks covering the port so you couldn't plug right. anything into the TV, yeah, which yeah. is such bullshit. Because they want you to use their for your expensive porn device attached to the TV. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't think I've played a game like Dark Souls or an RPG that takes like 60 plus hours since I stopped working for Transport Canada because I'm not sitting in hotels for hours on end anymore. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I miss it. I kind of miss it. And you guys make me feel like I want to play it. (laughs) I did. I did um, reinstall. I I reinstalled the mods on The Witcher. So now I can run it. Because I had to update. I had to update it. And then when I turned it on, I'm like, I don't fucking remember anything. (laughs) I don't know what my build is. I'm like, oh, it's all strength and potions. I'm like, is that what I did? I thought I had magic build. I'm like, guess not. And I don't remember where I am in the story. And it's been so so long since I turned that thing on. Yeah. It's great, though. It's... You'll you'll get back into it. As someone who's taken a break from The Witcher and gone back to it, you yeah. can do it. you can do it. 
I got my Steam box, so I'm going to try playing that on my TV. Oh, the Steam Link. Yeah, yeah. Steam Link. Sorry, not Steam Box. You're going to have to let me know how that works out. I will. Um, okay, let's move into some recommendations outside of games. Uh, what should we recommend to the folks listening at home? I've been watching a lot of... It's gaming related, though. I've been watching this guy, Dr. Disrespect. I think he's funny. Yeah. And he plays Battlegrounds. That's the guy yeah. who has that whole shtick where he wears like those... He wears like a mullet, like terrible yeah. big sunglasses and like a cheesy mustache. Yeah. And he just Violent speed momentum. He yells at people all the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just think it's funny. And like, I'll I'll watch it while I'm working on something and it's just like, sometimes I get a laugh out of it. So. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah. Shisula, what do you want to recommend? Mm, I'm going to recommend, um, let me see here. I've only been watching basketball mostly, but outside of basketball, I have been watching Samurai Jack week to week, which I always recommend. Mm-hmm. The first three episodes of this season were amazing. They're so good. The okay. next three were great, but not like not okay. on the same level as the first three. Curious to see where it's going to end. Um, maybe check out also Archer. That's on again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't been, know. I don't really have anything super yeah. interesting. Uh, I've been watching uh, The Expanse. Which is a sci-fi Heard show. Heard of it? <gasps> Good show. Yeah, so I finally started season two, and the Expanse is kind of like Mass Effect, but without aliens. Um, yeah. Also, if yeah. if you were a fan of like the Battlestar Galactica reboot, I think you would like the Expanse as well. Um, it's kind of gritty sci-fi. It's telling this story about like colonies that are sort of in our solar system. Basically, it's just like humans that are fucking are always arguing with each other and depending on where they come from and what side they're on it's but it's really really interesting it's telling a really cool story the characters are fantastic um again it's sort of like that realistic sci-fi where it's like Mm -hmm. you could see that type of technology existing a couple hundred years from now um that's what i loved about yeah like there's like belters where the basically people that live on asteroids to be miners yeah and like they they're raised in low gravity, so they're like super tall yeah. but super skinny, yeah. and it's just like whoa, yeah. that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, and, and like the I'm not gonna give it away, but the way they like torture one of the belters in the early episodes, I was like, that's so fucking smart, you know? Yeah, and um, and not not that like, torture is a good thing, and it, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but just like an effective way to but torture just, someone. Just, with just that the idea physiology. around like how do you torture someone who grew up in low gravity? I thought that was really really interesting. Um, yeah. it, from from a, a narrative perspective, uh, <laughs> not that I have some weird kink about like torturing people. Yeah, um, but yeah, really really cool show, really cool show. I've been really digging it. Um, it's also got like my favorite uh, dude who played the Punisher, Thomas Jane. He'll uh, he'll yeah. always be the Punisher in my heart. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, check out the Expanse if you haven't already. I think that's going to do it for uh, for our episode this week. A bit of a long one, so thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, but as always, you can send us letters to shelvegames at gmail.com, especially if you have any questions or comments, if you want to weigh in on anything that we've talked about, if you have topic suggestions for future shows, we would love to hear from you. It's a great way to be a part of the show. You can always uh, send us ideas or questions on Twitter as well. Uh, so just uh, hit us up at shelvegames. Uh, I'm at John underscore tab. Uh, you can find the show on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play, where you can subscribe and rate and review the show. Rating and reviewing really helps us out, gets us higher on the charts, gets more people listening. Um, so that would uh, do us a huge solid. Uh, you can find the podcast also at shelvegames.com slash podcast. Uh, and hit us up on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Shelve Games and you can reach out to us there. Um, also back to live streaming, twitch.tv slash shelvegames. And music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. 
Uh, so where can people find you on the internet, folks? Chisulo, uh, you don't want to be found. You're a man of mystery. Mm-hmm. And Ted, <laughs> Ted, where can folks find you? Uh, I got a new Twitter. Uh, it's the Teddy Gage. Uh, Gage is G A G E. Finally, God, your old um, Twitter handles were I terrible. I know it's bad. It's bad, and I'm trying to get into it. Like I'm trying to like post more than once a year. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, and I guess my Instagram is Eddie Gage. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, you know, you'll see me around. Way to dice. You'll see me there. Awesome. Uh, sounds good. And uh, but yeah, thanks, Ted. Thanks, Jusulo, for joining us as always. Yeah, no thanks doubt, for no me. doubt. And uh, we will be back next week. Uh, maybe not with these two two jokers, but maybe with uh, another panel of guests. Uh, we'll see who's free. Basically, that's how it works. It's like who's free when we're recording. <laughs> that's that's who's going to be on the show. Uh, but anyways, thank you again, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. So uh, until next time, go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find. I don't know, some award for excellence in like, uh, I don't know if it was ceramic design or it was like some sort of physical media design or something like. Wow. Um, yeah. So. It was- <laughs> you know what I was about, just about to say before you said she got some sort of award for doing stuff with her hands? Because when we were in university, she would always threaten me. Whenever <laughs> I'd say something she didn't like, she'd, she would always look at me dead in the eyes and she'd say, Chisulo, it only takes eight pounds of pressure to crush a testicle. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Relax, <laughs> Juliana. So good to hear that she's still using her hands. Yeah, but- yeah. <laughs>